0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. You know what it is. We're back. Episode eighty-one for the love of the game, let's get it. Episode 81, for the love of the game. It's been a little bit, a couple of weeks uh, since we uh, last uh, convened in the studio, but good to be back in the saddle. Uh, a couple of changes coming to the show, but that's on on my end. For you, the listener, everything is going to sound the exact same. You're going to get the same content, the same hot takes. You're going to get the same personality uh, that you love and enjoy. So, don't even worry about it. So there seems to have been a lot of news. Since the last show, even though we're still in a little bit of a, uh, a holding pattern when it comes to sports, unless you're a European soccer fan, uh, a golf fan or an MMA fanatic, we're still in this weird holding period where we're waiting for things to start this waiting game. Well, waiting for the other shoe to drop. Uh, Hopefully nothing new happens in the world of coronavirus that derails the momentum of sports coming back, specifically when talking about the NBA, the NHL, and the MLB. Uh, And yes, I included the MLB. Baseball will be played, it looks like. I am shocked by this. But they will be playing games this season, a 60-game regular season, expanded playoffs with a second spring training that should be uh, due to begin in a few days. Rob Manfred kind of grew a set of balls here, said enough is enough, and made sure the owners went along with this plan. The players will be getting their prorated salaries that they wanted. The owners negotiated, from what I understand, a very large TV deal for the playoffs, and there will be baseball. Now, it appears that the teams will be playing in their home ballparks without fans, might I add, which means no campus uh, type environment, which is a little surprising if you ask me considering you know the, uh, the severity of uh, coronavirus and, and certain outbreaks and trying to control things. But I do believe that, the, uh, that Major League Baseball, in terms of safety, is doing whatever they can do, whatever they see fit in terms of limiting risk and exposure to uh, COVID-19. I have to say at first, I was pretty pro-owner in this uh, stalemate between the owners and the players that took place uh, in the last couple of months. I was on the podcast. I I really thought that players were being unreasonable. But once it came out that six to eight owners didn't want a season at all and that the owners were clearly negotiating in bad faith, my my thinking and my opinion kind of flipped a bit. I think this was a short-term win for the players, but make no mistake about it. This is a Band-Aid on an ax wound. The true colors came out in this whole thing between the owners, the players, and Rob Manfred and and what they really, really believe. And this fight over the CBA is going to continue in a major, major way in the next few months after this coming season. So baseball, the long-term outlook isn't great But at least for the short term, they got something done, and that's good. The NHL, well, it looks like things are moving slowly, even if they haven't disclosed where the games will be played. But they will be having – I should say mirroring the NBA's type campus-style plan. From what I understand, it's going to be one destination for the Eastern Conference, one destination for the Western Conference, and then they will meet in the middle when the cup uh, finals happen. I, uh, I heard that Las Vegas will be one of the host cities. Uh, I believe that the other host city will be someplace in Canada. We shall see. No real new, new news out of the NHL. Again, we're still in this holding pattern. The NBA released its return to play schedule. July 30th will be a big day. Uh, Pelicans against the Jazz and the Lakers against the Clippers to kick things off. Both games will be on TNT. Uh in general, games will be televised during the day, starting like as early as 4 p.m., and I am so here for it. Now, the rise of the coronavirus in Florida, especially surrounding Orlando, will give people some pause, uh, and I understand that. The fact that 16 of the uh, 302 players tested positive, uh, players including Spencer Dinwiddie, DeAndre Jordan, Malcolm Brogdon, Nikola Jokic, who are all going to be – in Orlando, while well, they tested positive, and this will give people cause for concern. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon said he's going to be there. Uh, DeAndre Jordan said he won't be there. Nikola Jokic said it will be there. Spencer Dinwiddie's still on the fence. But the percentage of p- players tested positive is about five percent, which is the standard. So the fact that it wasn't a way higher number of players testing positive is a good sign, especially since. You know, we've seen that these guys were out playing basketball. The fact that it was only 5% of the players tested, that's a good thing. The prominent medical professionals have endorsed the NBA's plan. Again, it's not going to eliminate the risk. It's about managing the risk. And contrary to what the mainstream media wants you to believe, managing the risk and controlling the risk, not eliminating the risk. So, yeah – Uh, Now, the NBA will be discussing social issues. They said that the players will be super vocal about social issues, uh, especially in the wake of the George Floyd situation. Uh, Some will agree with what the players do. Some won't. I personally will be focusing on the basketball and tuning out all the other noise. That's just me. Other topics that have arised since we last spoke, Kyrie Irving, still an asshole, former ESPN Quote, talons. And I say that in air quotes because she really has none. Jamel Hill is a major asshole. Oh, and I almost forgot. Cam Newton, former MVP Cam Newton, signed with the New England Patriots, which is definitely interesting. Something that I had a sneaky suspicion all along was going to happen once Tom Brady wasn't coming back. And honestly, that's really where things stand in sports. One thing about the Cam Newton thing... I should say the agreement, uh, the fact that he signed for what was reported, which wasn't really true, is the league minimum. It's a prove-it year. People were crying racism about this. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Not everything in sports is a race issue. Cam has had a couple of down years. He's been injured. This is a prove-it year. If he has a monster year, he's going to get paid again. So spare me this racism bullshit. I've had enough of thinking that everything is a race issue. Enough is enough. Anyway, that's where we uh, currently stand in the world of sports. And now we're going to bring on a recurring guest to talk about things in the NBA. Positive vibes only. That's what we're all about. Let's uh, bring him on in just a minute. Okay, I teased it a little bit before. Bring back a uh, very popular recurring guest to uh, talk about the NBA. We're going to talk a little bit about... Post, I should say regular season awards now that the uh, the NBA looks like it's going to come back. Uh, positive vibes only with uh, my buddy Josh Freeman. Josh, how are we holding?
0: Doing great. Looking forward to the, uh, the please return of the NBA, the hopeful return of the NBA. You never know, but, uh, yeah, looking forward.
1: It, it looks like all things are a go. Um, the, the, the plan has been approved uh, by – all the scientists and the uh, the medical professionals said that they what the NBA came up with in their 100 page plan was was exceedingly good. So I'm hopeful. I'm choosing to be hopeful. Positive vibes only. I know we wanted to talk about the awards as I just mentioned, but before that, uh, you're a Laker fan. The Lakers were, you know, the top seed in the West going into the stoppage. Uh, how do you feel about the Lakers? Given all the news that's come out, given uh, the the pause, uh, the Avery Bradley who's not coming, uh, how are you feeling about the Lakers going into this uh, resume and the playoffs?
0: Uh, You know, I think we're going to, you know, it's kind of weird to say that we're going to learn a lot from these last couple games, uh, these warm-up games before the playoffs, but I think we're going to learn a lot. Uh, I think about a lot of teams. Um, It's really going to tell us how everybody used their their quarantine time um, and whether they use it effectively. I was just listening to JJ Redick the other day. He was saying how he thinks his game has improved in this sort of mini off season. Um, so I think we're going to learn a lot. You know, if there was one team I felt confident had a, you know, let's call him the de facto leader in place where everybody was looking to him on their team. I think the Lakers kind of take cue from LeBron and um, understand that he expects everybody to, you know, stay in shape to work out, to work on their game as much as they can. Um, and he has that type same personality where he was probably speaking to the guys on his team on a constant basis. Uh, so, I, you know, I would like to say that I'm hopeful that they come back uh, continuing to play as well as they did. Uh, and they've been consistent the whole year playing well. So I hope that that, you know, uh, I hope that continues as they start. But again, really hard to say what anyone's going to do and, and, and how it's all going to turn out. But, um, but yeah, hopeful. I'm looking forward.
1: So the major news uh, for the Lakers uh, in terms of their roster, uh, Avery Bradley opting out, uh, who is starting a guard. Um, they signed J.R. Smith. Avery Bradley was opting out to take care of uh, his uh, his son, who I believe has a respiratory issue. Um, you know, uh, kudos to him for making that choice. Uh, not, not. We don't really want to pass judgment on that choice at all. Um, but I, I'm curious to know, like, are you – does that make you nervous because for me, as kind of an outsider who's watched the Lakers a lot. I don't see there being a, a ton of drop off. If you just plug in uh Caruso to more minutes uh, and you can get by with the, the triumvirate of Caruso, uh, KCP and uh, Jr. Smith, um, especially given Jr. Smith's ability to shoot the three. What, uh, do you think it's going to really affect the Lakers that much?
0: Um, you know, I think that's what we're going to find. That's, that's one of the things we're going to find out uh, in these last couple of games. How much are they really planning on using Dion Waiters and J.R. Smith? Are those going to be rotational guys, or are those, you know, if KCP's not working out or Cruz is having a bad game, then they'll plug those guys in. So are they, are they backups? Um, are they backup plans, or are they, are they uh, rotational pieces? I think that's something that we're going to find out. You know, where it caused some worry for me is, um, Bradley's a guy, a veteran. He's played in the playoffs. I think he understands the intensity. He understands how that increases, how every possession matters. Um, JR certainly does. My only concern with JR is, you know, he's, he's been out of the league for almost a year and a half. Um, so, so I do think it matters. Um, I, you know, I don't, Caruso hasn't been to the playoffs. Even KCP, I don't know if he's had any, you know, I don't know if he's been there at all, but certainly not any deep runs with meaningful minutes. Um, so I do think that there'll be concern, that there is reason for some concern uh, with that loss of Bradley. Um, and I, I think it's really going to fall on uh, Danny Green to really pull out, uh, you know, I want to call him playoff Danny Green, um, which I don't think he has had the great a great year until now, um, but hopefully he, he turns things around as they head into the playoffs.
1: It's definitely gonna be interesting uh yeah I, it, I, I do think if there you know LeBron is one of the handful of guys and obviously because he's he's up for one of these awards he's gonna be a finalist uh, we're gonna talk about that in a little bit but you know he's he's one of the the preeminent leaders in the sport and if anybody I, I know he was working on his body and if you know it, for the as for the Lakers, if LeBron's right and Anthony Davis is right, they have just as good a chance as everybody, uh, or I should say, as anybody, just with those two guys and 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 filler aside. But anyway, so uh, I don't want to go too much in the weeds on the Lakers because everybody else who listens to the show is going to tune out. So we're going to do a little NBA awards. Uh, I don't want to start with the MVP. Um, we're going to, I guess, go in reverse order a little bit. Um, your choice for most improved player,
0: yeah. So um, most improved player, I don't think it's going to be any surprise. Um, I'm going to go with Bam Adebayo. Uh, basically, doubled his point total from last year. He's got three more boards a game, three more assists a game. Um, such an all-around player. Uh, I think he was the. I think he was the pick for most improved player um, on a on a winning team in meaningful minutes uh uh really stepped up for them.
1: Well, we're not gonna we're not gonna disagree here. Uh I had Bam out of bio as well. I did give uh special consideration to Pascal Siakam, even though he won it last year. He took a major step up again this year. And uh and Jason Tatum, uh who really ascended. Uh but Bam Adebayo, I mean
0: Yeah, I would throw Brandon Ingram there. I think they all had those were all con- you know considerable cases. Yeah, but I agree with you.
1: So yeah, but but Bam out of bio, like Tatum showed flashes in his rookie year, and then had the sophomore slump, and then became a guy like a, a top eight nine guy in the league before the uh, the break. But Bam, you know, in terms of like level of improvement and the jump, Bam to me just took a little bit more of a jump than uh, than Tatum, and and he's so versatile defensively. And, uh, I think, I think we're going to mention BAM on a couple of other lists in a little bit. But yeah, so we're in agreement on BAM. Uh, coach yeah, of the yeah. year. I, oh, sorry. Go I ahead. I think with,
0: I think, no, I think with the most improved player award, I think it's a little bit somewhat similar to the MVP award in that there's usually a storyline attached to it. You know, a player that wasn't on our radar that jumps in and, and, you know, comes on our radar. And, you know, I, I think that's why I gave it to BAM. I mean, that's sort of how sometimes we we'll people make those choices. Um Names like Tatum and Siakam are names that we knew, and Bam is a name that wasn't on our radar and certainly deserves it now, and that's that's why I think
1: he's deserving of the award. All right, so I guess we're one for one in terms of agreement here. Coach of the Year, who you got? There's a lot of a lot of really good candidates here.
0: Yeah, so they've got a talented team, um, but uh, I I just the way he puts it all together and gets those guys to play hard every day, especially with the loss of the finals MVP um, Toronto Raptors have just really, really impressed me. So I'm going to go with Nick nurse.
1: Ah. So a couple of guys that I uh, gave consideration to uh, Eric Spolstra. I want to di- give him a shout out for the job he's done. Brad Stevens want to give him a shout out for the job he's done. Mike Malone in Denver want to give him a shout out for the job he's done. But ultimately, we're two for two here. Uh, Nick Nurse, I mean, it, it went back to last year. Oh, and, and, Mike, Budenholzer. A- and uh, Mike Budenholzer. And Mike Budenholzer and the coach of the Lakers. Um, holy crap, I'm forgetting what his name is. Um, Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel. Oh, my God, I just had a senior moment. Uh, the, uh, I guess the quarantine is getting to the best of us. Um, all those guys, all those guys, super deserving. But, yeah, Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse, it started last year. Their record when Kawhi Leonard sat was awesome. Their record this year, no Kawhi Leonard, is awesome. Do I necessarily trust them in a playoff series without Kawhi Leonard? No. But this is a regular season award. So uh, Nick sure. Nurse is uh, is my pick. Um, I guess we're two for two on, on a green here. Uh, sixth man of the year, who you got?
0: Um, you know, it's funny. You didn't say – you didn't mention Billy Billy Donovan on, on your coach considerations for OKC. You're right. Um, so I was a little surprised there, or if you wanted to throw in Chris Ball as, as coach of the year, possibly as well. Um, uh, but uh, for sixth man, I did go with an OKC member. I went with Dennis Schroeder. Um, Ooh! You know, 19 points off the bench. Uh, again, meaningful minutes on a winning team. Four points, four boards. Um, I, I think he... he I think he's been an unsung hero for them. Um, They obviously have a lot of talent, um, but he's really stepped up his game, uh, and I'm going with Schroeder.
1: Interesting. Uh, He was my second pick, my second pick. And, by the way, just to give uh, the OKC fans uh, some shine, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, also um, another guy who could be – on the uh, the short list for most improved player, and uh, and we're gonna get to Chris Paul short sure. sure, when we talk about All NBA, and and yeah, Billy Donovan's done a hell of a job. I mean, he he's he's kind of gotten uh, the uh, the short end of the stick, especially with how things went with Durant, and Westbrook, and then with Westbrook leaving and all that kind of stuff. Billy Donovan is sure. is is very solid, but uh, my pick for Sixth Man of the Year is Montrez Harrell. Um, Clippers, I believe. Uh, Well, right now they're number two in the West. I actually think going into the playoffs, they are the most dangerous uh, Western Conference playoff team. Um, There's something that he gives them. And and Lou Williams has won this award a bunch, and and he gets buckets off the bench. But there's something different that Harold gives them in terms of energy besides for the production. And I just think if you had to pick one between Lou Williams and, and Harold, I just I, I think Harrell's just more important to them um for what they do than Lou Williams is.
0: Yeah, so I I, I thought of Harrell, I thought of Williams. Ultimately it was almost like, like Harrell and Lou sort of took away from each other. I feel like the six, the, the Clippers always have such a talented lineup on the on the floor, and Harold's not necessarily commanding the ball or leading that floor, and that's ultimately why I went with Schroeder. Um, just cause I, you know, being in a guard position, being a ball handler, I thought I had more responsibility and that's why I chose him, but certainly, certainly good candidates.
1: And, uh, Montrose Harrell, it should be noted that he's in a contract year <laughs> and, uh, depending on what, uh, the cap looks like after this whole situation, he's, uh, due for a raise. Uh, I'm not sure what kind of raise it will be, but he's definitely due for a raise. Um, rookie of the year. I don't think we're going to disagree on this one.
0: I don't think so. Uh, ja is, is, uh, is my pick. and it was, it was an easy one. It was an easy one. As much as Zion uh, you know, set the league uh, on fire and um, you know, made his presence, uh, it was a little, l- a little too late. Um, and Ja's been doing it all year. The team is competitive. They're in the eighth spot. Um, I think he's certainly deserving without
1: any doubt. Well, we're in agreement here. It's John Morant. The, uh, the full body of work for the entire season was awesome. I'm just curious to know, uh, in terms of if you're filling out a ballot, cause you fill out, you know, the NBA writers who maybe one day when this show blows up that I'll, uh, I'll be a voter, uh, you get three spots. Who are you going to put in the second spot, given the amount of games played for each, uh, for each of the candidates?
0: Uh, it would be hard not to put Zion in the second, in the second spot for me. I, I, I put Zion there. I think his impact is real. Um, it, he's made an, and not just impact on his team is real impact on the league and attention and pressure. And he's lived up to that. I certainly would have him second.
1: Yeah. Uh, can't argue with that. I'd have him second. Uh, even the, tw- the 20 or so games, that 15 or so games that Zion played, forgetting how many exactly he played, it, it's just better than anything that Kendrick Nunn or Tyler Hero or P.J. Washington have done. And those guys have had nice seasons. But, I mean, we're, we're talking about a whole different animal here. But, yeah, John Morant, John Morant is awesome. And John Morant was actually in line for – you know, he was a tough cut for an all-NBA spot. Right yes, now, right now they're the eighth seed. I mean, I know we all want everybody wants the Pelicans in that spot. Everybody thinks the Blazers are gonna catch them, but John Rand had that team in the eighth seed. And and uh and it's it's really important that we we shine light on on just what an Awesome year he had. And, of course, the Knicks got the third pick and uh, missed out on John Morant and Zion Williamson because the Knicks always make me sad. Okay. Defensive player of the year. Who do you have?
0: Um, before we jump to that one, I just want to give some shout-out to, you know, just like you just said, they're, they're in the eighth seed. Um, Grizzlies coach, uh, uh, I think it's Taylor Jenkins. Yes. Um, how, how well he's had that team playing all year, um, you know, it's almost you know he's I don't think he's in consideration for coach of the year, um, but he's certainly done a hell of a job and certainly
1: um, deserves some praise.
0: A lot of good, um, lot
1: of good coaching performances this year.
0: Oh yeah, very good. Um, it's funny because after a while we were probably thinking, are there any good coaches left? Um, but really, great jobs this year. Really, really great job. Um, Defensive player of the year, uh, you know. You might want to say it's a little bit of a hometown pick um, or you might just want to say uh, it's, uh, you know, I don't want to give anybody two awards, but I'm going to go with Anthony Davis for defensive player of the year. Led the league in blocks, uh, was a critical member for that L.A. defense, one of the top defenses in the league, um, really anchoring uh, uh, the back line and uh, and allowing them to be successful. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Anthony Davis.
1: It's funny. Um I know Anthony Davis has had a great year. I had him like fifth on my ballot, which is a little crazy. And I don't want to be accused of, of hating the Lakers because I really don't hate the Lakers. Um, <laughs> I, I really don't. Uh, it, this is this is non you know against Laker bias. A uh, couple of guys I had ahead of uh, Anthony Davis, and and it's not really that the numbers bear it out. Like for example, like P, a guy like PJ Tucker, right? He's sure. never he's never going to get the shine that Anthony Davis is going to get, but PJ Tucker, in terms of his defensive impact, in terms of all the different things he does, to me is just is greater than Anthony Davis. Um, Bam Adebayo, another one uh, in terms of who I had ahead of Anthony Davis. Uh, I, you know what I should say? I had Anthony Davis off uh, fourth on my um, on my ballot because I had Embiid fifth, but. Along the logic of uh, the P.J. Tucker pick, uh, my defensive player of the year is Giannis. He does – he guards one through five. He's arguably the best help defender. He's arguably the best rim protector. He's arguably the best perimeter defender when Kawhi, you know, is not interested. And, And Kawhi is another guy who's on the short list in terms of defensive player of the year awards, but he just didn't want to be this year. So for me, it's Giannis. He's just the most versatile. He does everything. He just does everything well. You, you can put him out on an island. You know, a guard isn't getting by him. You know, Anthony Davis doesn't have that ability. And that's no fault of Anthony Davis because he's really good on switches. But, like, you wouldn't want Giannis – I should say you wouldn't want Davis guarding like a two guard. Giannis can guard two guards. And that and that was my rationale.
0: Yeah. No, it's a solid rationale. Um certainly well deserving um and uh yeah he certainly can guard one through five you know he was a little bit light on certain numbers and you know you can contribute that to only playing you know playing less than 30 minutes a game um, which is but ridiculous
1: yeah. if you think about it right can we just it's talk frig- about that oh, for ridiculous. a second insane the number as
0: insane we're going to talk about that very soon that's how insane <laughs> yeah Yes. Um, you know, so yeah, the numbers could be down a little bit on the defensive side—only one steal, only one block per game—but you know, maybe that's uh, attributed to minutes. Um, yeah, cer- certainly a valid case for
1: it. I do want to give uh, a certain guy a shout out, though, in terms of his uh, defense this year, and I've been very critical of uh, of this guy's defensive uh, efforts and ability the last. Three years or so. LeBron James has had an excellent defensive season for the Lakers. And when he's really ratcheted up in big games, his defense has been even next level. Like, LeBron... LeBron is a candidate to make one of the two all-defensive teams this year. Um, I know we didn't pick them. Uh, We didn't pick our teams this year. But the fact that in year 17... That he's still at that level is is really remarkable. So I, I just want to give LeBron uh, a major shout out and kudos um, because I, I I'm a major LeBron critic, but in terms of his defensive season, he's been awesome, which is another reason kind of why I uh, I uh, shied away from Anthony Davis.
0: Yeah, I hear you. Uh, he- Certainly played a much better year than, than, than previous and certainly better than last year. So, uh, yeah, de- definitely, definitely helpful to the team and uh, and worthy of the of the conversation.
1: So uh, uh, last award before we go on to all NBA, uh, your MVP.
0: My MVP is going to Giannis. Um, the the numbers are staggering uh, and not and, and just the. the the per 36 are even more staggering. Um, and it's really, really incredible. Over 30 a game, almost 14 boards, six assists. I, 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 you know, as much as I'm a Laker fan and and, uh, and I, I, I love LeBron's season, I don't know how you go anywhere else but Giannis
1: here. Well, we're in agreement because, I mean, and I, I, we've mentioned this on a podcast before, his PER this year, which is, again, not a perfect stat, but as I've said, it's a great indicator when you're at the top of the top of, of greatness in terms of the season. Yeah, His PER before the break was seventh all-time. All-time. That's crazy. That's crazy. So, yeah, we're in agreement on Giannis. Uh, LeBron did make it a little interesting, though. I'll give him that. I mean, his showcase in the last couple of games before the break – when you know that that's why the Lakers are you know super serious contenders because he still may be the number one player you want in a playoff series, but it's a totality of the regular season. It's got to be honest. It has to be.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, you know, I think LeBron leading the league in assists at his age in his you know 15th year uh, are is just really really incredible, and it's almost like at, at any other year. We probably would have uh, uh, handed him this MVP, but like you said, Giannis here, from an efficient standpoint,
1: PR is historic um, and deserving of back-to-back MVP. So Bill Simmons, um, before he was apparently canceled, whatever, uh, you know, wrote in his book, uh, the uh, the book of basketball, he had that chapter about the MVP, and like, and he's written that certain years the the MVP's like a, a five-pound trophy uh versus like a 40-pound trophy depending on how competitive the uh the field was and sure. I think this this Giannis season has to be like a 40-pound trophy to uh hold off LeBron to hold off Kawhi because Kawhi's numbers First of all, he hasn't missed as many games as we think. Kawhi's numbers are are off the charts. Are, are just are yeah, he, ha- he hasn't. Missed he hasn't, It's true. He ha- he hasn't missed as many as we thought. That's so yeah, it just goes to show you how awesome Giannis has been this year. I'm just curious if you had to fill out a, um, you know, a five person ballot like uh, like the NBA ballot, what would your order be for MVP? Oof, for,
0: for five, um. I would have, uh, I would have LeBron second. Uh, okay. I would. I, th- I think that he's, uh, um, again, to lead the le- lead, lead league in assists, uh, you know, change his game add that facet and just do it seamlessly. Um, he's always been a good passer, but not, not to this degree, uh, most since he's ever averaged. Um, for, uh, at number three, I would actually have Luka Doncic. Um, I, you know, to have the Mavs at the place that they're in, uh, in the West, uh, with his numbers, uh, just carrying the team on his back basically the whole year. I would have Lucas third. Um, I actually would have Nikola Jokic, uh, fourth. Ooh, interesting. He's, he's the engine that makes Denver go. Um, they are every year, you know, with him at the top of the leaderboard. Uh, I think it was third or fourth in the standings in the West for the break. And then at number five, I would have, uh, Mr. James Harden again. Uh, you know,
1: how no style Kawhi style
0: of play, the style of play plays into it. Yeah, for Kawhi you know, I think the clippers are a really talented team, top to bottom. I think, uh, you know, missing the games definitely made a difference for me. And I think the rest of the guys on this list, um, were there almost every game and carried the teams on their back. So, yeah, I,
1: I probably had Kawhi just at that top five. So that's where we we differed. Um, so my top two are just like yours, uh, Giannis, LeBron. I had Kawhi third, I had Luca fourth, and I had Jokic fifth.
0: Yeah, yeah, certainly. Houston, uh,
1: Houston being Houston being sixth in the West, uh, with uh, Harden, you know, his numbers towards the end kind of tailed off as Westbrook ascended. Um, you can't hold that against him so much, but. That, that's my order. Uh, I just can't ignore Kawhi's, Kawhi's season this year, a- and his his isolation scoring numbers are are the best they've ever been. I-, I just and when he wants to, he's still the best perimeter on ball defender. Uh, Kawhi is a monster.
0: Yeah, no, it, you, know, you know he, he certainly deserving of being in the in the conversation. Um, you know,
1: I yeah yeah can't argue with it can't argue with it so now here's where it may get a little interesting we're gonna pick uh the uh, the three all nba teams um two guards two forwards and a center uh for argument's sake against our will it looks like anthony davis won't be classified as a center which is going to lead to uh some some tough uh omissions at the end uh so with that being said uh who's your first team
0: uh yes yeah, so ironically my first team are the five I just mentioned um I've got uh Jokic at center with Giannis and LeBron filling so the forward spot and Harden and Luka filling so up the guards that is my first team all in the end
1: as much as I wanted to knock Harden off this list because I am in favor of all things anti James Harden, I just couldn't do it. Like, if Damian Lillard had his team in the seventh seed,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: I would have done it. I would have done it. I was ready, um, but just couldn't do it. One thing on Luca and the Mavericks, uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but do you know the Mavericks? Have the third best point differential in the Western Conference.
0: Was not aware of that.
1: The Dallas Mavericks are going, are not going to be the seventh seed in the West. They are going to be higher than that. And and if they if they are anywhere from three to six, or I should say from, from five to six, that they're not getting, quote, the home court advantage, even though there is none, I would very seriously consider picking them in an upset. Dallas is really good, and if Luka Doncic can get back into shape because he's one of those guys you have to worry about uh, his uh, physical fitness, then uh, I really am bullish on this Mavericks thing because Porzingis was rounding into form. I, I'm bullish on the Mavs. So anyway, uh, second team All-NBA. Who This is where it may get a little interesting. Who do you got?
0: So I actually thought second team was pretty easy. Um I've got uh, Mr. Joel Embiid sliding in at center. Okay. I've got uh, Kawhi and AD filling out the forward spots. Okay. Uh, Similar to you, I I almost wanted wanted to put uh, Jamie Miller's first team, but I have him on the second team. And, uh, you know, for his leadership and his, you know, I wouldn't say his stats are what everyone else's stats are, um, but for his leadership, And, you know, the will to win his clutch performance in the entire year. I've got Chris Paul as my last guard for
1: second team on NBA. Okay, so we agreed on four out of five. Lillard, Kawhi, Davis, and Embiid. I know people are going to talk about Embiid that he had maybe a down year. I mean, come on now. Like, Joel Embiid, when he's right, he's one of the six best players. He's probably not the sixth best player in the league, seventh best player in the league. Even in his quote down year, he's awesome, and he's, you know, a, a top-notch defensive player, one of the best post players in the league. Uh, where we differed um, is the Chris Paul spot, because I actually had him on third team, and I gave the second team to Kyle Lowry. Wow. Okay. Second seed in the in the East. I know everybody has uh, has loved to dump on Kyle Lowry, but he's had an awesome year, and yeah, I, I think and I think people are starting to appreciate him a little more now that they want a title. Like he's one of those guys where his legacy has com- been completely altered from a dude who always came up small in the playoffs to a guy who, in a deciding game, had a monster game. He had a monster game six in last year's finals. And I think we're really starting to appreciate Kyle Lowry for not just his offense, for how he runs the team, but also defensively. He's going to be one of the uh, the four guards selected for all defense, most probably. I just – I rewarded Kyle Lowry here. Yeah.
0: No, I hear you. I I, uh, I did not have him on, on any of my teams. But, really? Um, but he – yeah, I did not have him. I did not have him on the third team either. Wow. But – uh. You know, he he certainly makes the case. I mean, you know, he you you call him the the voice of the Raptors, the leader of the Raptors, and and they're in a position where he's certainly deserving of that praise.
1: So here we go to third team. Obviously, we've had you know minimal differences. I, I feel like the third team is where things are going to get a little interesting. So so who'd you have?
0: Yeah. Um, so this I think was the hardest. Um, I actually think the the center position here was uh, was even more difficult. Um, yeah, it would make uh, it a lot yeah.
1: easier if Davis was a center. Right, right. Yes, it would. would. Although I, yeah. would, I agree with I
0: agree with the categorization that he's a forward. Um, you know, they played Howard and McGee at center for many, many, many minutes of the year. So, so uh, I'm fine with with Davis at, at the forward positions. For the third team uh, All-NBA Center, I was between the three of Sabonis, Bam, and Mr. Gobert. Um, ultimately, I think this is going to surprise people. Ultimately, I'm going to actually go with uh, Sabonis. Uh, Ooh. From...
1: Ooh, interesting. Okay. Yeah,
0: you know, all of their PERs are really, really similar. Gobert actually has the, the most PER. Um, and I don't necessarily think he's a sexy pick, but ultimately, what I went to is uh, the team's success, which I think is there. And I think the 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 lack of a true number one on that team really sort of spreads the, you know spreads the leadership and the 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 reliance uh, throughout the team. So I think the bonus is should, shoulders a little bit more of the load. I mean, 18, 12, and 5, his numbers are certainly there with everyone else's. Um, But I think the, you know, to me, having to shoulder a little more of that responsibility um, and that pressure, uh, I think they sort of, you know, it's almost like they run their offense through him to some degree. So I went with Sabonis.
1: I've been on this Rudy Gobert kick for a while. Um, I think I like Rudy Gobert a lot. Um, I think he's really kind of overrated. Uh, I think he's probably one of the most overrated players in basketball. And again, I, I, he's very good. But if you're getting played off the floor in a playoff series, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't put you on the All-NBA team this year. Not when you had other dudes. Uh, I just I just can't. I, and it was always funny to me that when people were talking about who's more valuable, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, I, I, I always thought it was laughable. I thought it was laughable because, like, it's Donovan Mitchell without even thinking twice. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just, I, I know, I know what the advanced numbers say about Gobert. I just, I I can't get the image of him getting played off the floor in a playoff series out of my head. So I did not have Gobert on my uh, third uh, team, all NBA center uh, either. Um, So who are your forwards and your guards?
0: Um, Aaron, did you see your choice? Oh no, I didn't. I'll 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 go after you. I'll go after you. Oh, you'll go after me. Okay. Um, for forwards, um, I was really uh, th- these these were the tough decisions for me. Um, I had Tatum, Siakam, and Butler here. Um, ultimately, I had to I had to bring that down to two. Um, so I'm going to go with Tatum and Butler.
1: Hmm. That was that was the uh, the trio that I had, and I'll let you know who I selected in a second, but that's the trio that I had. And, again, this would be a lot simpler if Davis could be a center because he plays crunch time yes, minutes it would at center, be. and then all of these guys would end up making it. Um, okay, so who are your guards, and then I'll go. Uh,
0: my guards, um, you, you know, I don't know if you're going to love this third-team choice, um, but the numbers uh, certainly towards the end of the season – uh were just staggering um i've got mr westbrook as one of my guards in the third team um, he was
1: he was my he was my last guard pick
0: yeah yeah
1: we're in we're agreement um, here
0: just, 27 8 and 7 it's it's, it's really hard to keep him off this list um my last two you had you had um you had uh mr lowry but um i was really between ben simmons and donovan mitchell um ultimately uh Similar, like you were saying before, just relying on him and uh, and really being the face of that team. Um, and Simmons being a little bit hurt, uh, I'm going to go with, with Donovan Mitchell with my third team All-NBA spot.
1: Don- Donovan so Mitchell got- and Ben Simmons were, you know, two of my toughest cuts. Um, my third team was uh, Chris Paul. Uh, we'll get to Westbrook in a second. Westbrook uh Jimmy Butler and I I put Pascal Siakam on there uh at forward I, I I had to cut Tatum I I didn't like it but but I had to and uh, my center was Bam Adebayo
0: yeah and sense that
1: yeah Bam, Bam Adebayo I, I'm so impressed by him uh I want to talk about Westbrook for a second because uh so, I, so, I don't re- So no Yeah, go ahead. No no Celtics on any teams for you. I know. It's 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 crazy. At honestly, the deciding factor between Tatum and Siakam was the uh was the three-game uh team record. That the that the Raptors are up 3 games. That was gotcha. it. Gotcha. Okay. That was yeah, was
0: stats are almost the stats are their, their stats are almost identical. So it's 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 uh You know, it's really going to be a field pick there. Not going to – the numbers are so – they're both basically 23-7-3. So it's really hard to choose between them.
1: And then people are going to say, oh, well, why would you pick Jimmy Butler, you know, over Tatum when Butler doesn't have the numbers. Like Butler's job in terms of running the offense, facilitating, um, it's just – it's just, you know – he does so much more and he's such a plus defender uh that I had to take Butler and and his identity um is just you know he he's the the heart and soul of that that team uh so butler was a no-brainer to me and it came down to the record um Westbrook i I, I refresh my memory are you a Westbrook guy because they're you know, NBA fans who hate Westbrook, there are NBA fans who love Westbrook. Where do you fall in the spectrum uh, of Russell Westbrook?
0: Um, I would say I'm, I would say I'm, I'm I'm on the, I wouldn't call me a hater. Um, you, you could call me par for, par for the course on Westbrook. I think he's an incredible talent. Um, I think if he's the number one guy on your team, you're not really a threat. Um, so I don't think he's in that category of, of you know you know is he a number one that's going to lead to a title winning team? I don't I don't think he's that type, um, but but he's an incredible talent that I am amazed by. Um, and I kind you know that that for me was kind of the reason I have him here at third team is you know once he found this role playing small ball with the Rockets, it, it was almost like you know his you know I sort of saw that his talents were finally being utilized the most where he's attacking the rim and not somebody who's creating off the dribble. I I think that decision-making is not his strong suit. Um, And I think that, you know, the Rockets sort of found where they can utilize him most, most efficiently.
1: Everybody's going to look at the, uh, the raw numbers for the shooting numbers. Uh, He's at 47% from the field, which is, which is pretty, pretty remarkable given how poorly he started shooting the ball. Um, his effective field goal percentage is almost at 50% and bef- you know in this upswing when they went completely five out and he was kind of the de facto center cuz he was scoring at will at the rim i mean yeah it's just hard to leave a guy who's putting up 27 and a half points a game seven assists eight rebounds for a guard and with the shooting numbers are on the uptick. And plus he brings it every single night, every single night. He doesn't take a playoff. He doesn't take a night off. And I, I just, I love dudes who bust their ass every single night and come to play every single night. So Westbrook to me, I'm so sick and tired of the haters. Um, and and honestly, I you can make a case that he's a more dangerous playoff player than Harden. Not a great case, but you can make the argument. Um, and yeah, I just I, I know Westbrook is going to go down swinging. Now he may strike out, and then he may flame out in in grand fashion. We've seen it before, but we but he's he's not going to just like be silent. And I, I I really respect that about the guy. Um, my toughest cuts were were Ben Simmons, Kemba Walker, Donovan Mitchell, Bradley Beal. Shout out to him. He had a monster year and uh, and chris yeah Middleton.
0: i i really wanted to put Beale on a team i really did i mean thirty thirty six 36 and 4 is 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 the real deal um yeah just that record that record was too much to put him anywhere here
1: yeah he, he, he just he can't 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 have it yeah and that that's why he didn't make the all-star team which was a little a little crazy because i would have put him in over trey young but you know, NBA Twitter really likes Trey Young more than I do. That's a whole nother story. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, – I'm I'm just happy that it looks like this is coming back and we can have this type of podcast again. And, um, you know, we're going to be talking – I know I'll be talking a lot about the NBA going forward uh, considering that it's coming back. And uh, it's good to – feel like we're almost there right josh does it does it feel like we're almost there even though we're in this weird holding pattern that that we're, we're getting close
0: yeah you know i read i read a report today uh, you know silver said if the virus spreads they may cancel it and it certainly feels like we're close although i'll say july 25th you know it feels like in terms of ups and downs um it feels like a year away <laughs> I feel yeah. like our opinion or our outlook could change 20 times between then and now. Um, so in that regard, it feels, it feels far, even though the amount of days is short.
1: Yeah. I mean that, and that's just the nature of, uh, the, the media cycle that we live in, especially with social media. It's, uh, it's craziness, but yeah, um, positive vibes only, Josh, we're going to be positive. That's what we do on this podcast. We're going to be super positive. Uh, but anyway, uh, Thanks again for giving me the time. Uh, This was fun to talk about. Um, Take a break from other stuff going on. It's always great to talk hoops with you, and hopefully we'll do it again soon. Really appreciate it, man. Looking forward to it, Aaron. Take care, man. Thanks again to uh, my buddy Josh Friedman for coming on, uh, taking out uh, time of his night to uh, talk a little hoops with me. Feels good to talk a little hoops. Uh, Season looks like it's coming back. all things uh, considered, hopefully uh the positive vibes for the NBA continue. That's episode 81. Take us out, Nelly. Yeah. Let me in, uh, Bill Gates, Donald Trump. Let me in, uh, spin. Uh, I got money to lend my friends. Now we in. Uh, candy, beans, skin, wooden tears. Now I win. Uh, woo! Oh.